Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Record Rangers podcast. I'm Gavin Berry and today I'm joined once again by the Daily Records, Andy Newport and Sunday Mail Chief Football Writer, Scott McDermott. We'll look back over the weekend's game against Motherwell, 6-1 victory and look ahead to the Europa League clash away to Bronby on Thursday and there's a couple of things to discuss as well. How are you both? Good, Gav. Very well, Gav, thanks. Well, I suppose there's only one place to start, Andy, and you were there for the Daily Record at Fir Park on Sunday. Uh, so often in this podcast, we've spoken this week about needing something to ignite the season. Was Fashion Sakala the man to ignite the season with that hat trick? Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, so, you know, just what Rangers really needed, something just to give them a wee perk up. I mean, it didn't feel like that. 15 minutes in when that really self-inflicted goal was was pretty much handed to to Motherwell um, Tavernier and Golton getting themselves in a real muddle, giving away the most unnecessary of corners um, Motherwell obviously get a goal through Bevis Mugabe but you know, even even at that point, Rangers' response was was pretty good, you know, there's times when they've fallen behind or even you know, just in, when the scores are level they, they sort of laboured but there was Definitely a bit more sprightliness about them. Um, I think maybe just having Sakala up there, he's very direct. You've obviously got Morelos alongside him. Um, I think that that just really sort of gave Motherwell sort of a lot of indecision. You know, they, they weren't really able to sort of attack Rangers in the way that you know some other teams have um, got that that back that back four that's not exactly been convincing this season. But Rangers were. I must say, very good sort of middle to front um, all game, uh, and you know six goals. You know that's what they've been looking for. Um, there's been you know spells during games this season where Rangers have been looked a bit, a bit more like the most sales like they were last year. But that was that was it for pretty much ninety minutes, maybe you know the first ten minutes. Uh, as I say, Motherwell getting the goal, but you know that that was more like it from Stephen Gerrard's point of view. Yeah, Scott, we always refer to it, but. The- the three of us spoke to Gert Verheyen, who signed him for Ostend, Sakala. And I mean, to be fair, a lot of the stuff that he told us way back then was right enough. He did say, don't expect him to great in at the first team. He's raw, but, you know, he is pacey. And what he told us is sort of coming to light. Um, does he give Rangers something different, you know, just with his pace and getting in behind? I think Gerard kind of alluded to that after the game, didn't he? I think he does, Gavin. Now, you mentioned that Verheyen interview, and I thought about that on Sunday, because one of the other things he said at the time was that he played the majority of his football for Ostend coming in off the left, you know, playing as an attacker, but coming in for that left side. And I think that was the big thing for me. I just thought in that position, he looks so dangerous. And it's probably the first time he started a game in that position, I know he's come on a couple of times and maybe uh, came on in the left side, but to start the game, um, I, I thought it was excellent for the start, even when Rangers conceded the early goal and even at half time, and I was speaking to people and I, I'd say, as I thought, Sakala along with Aribo were, were Rangers, were, were the two best players. I think they've tried various people on that left-hand side since Ryan Kent got injured. No, they've tried Roof. Haji, Aribo, even Bakuna at times uh, coming on. And it just hasn't it just hasn't worked. I thought he looked the most natural um for that position and gave Rangers a real threat, his pace, he was so direct. Um no, he's the most direct 
player they've got, probably apart from Ryan Kent. Um, and that's why he suited it. But at the same time, I thought he gave them something different because the, his first goal, the header, which was you know, arguably the, the, or one of the best goals that they scored, it was brilliant, the fact that as soon as the ball goes over to the other side, you know, and Tavernier gets it, Sakala's first thought, you know, being on the other side, is to get in central, into the box as a, as a striker, and obviously produces a brilliant header. Now, the likes of Ryan Kent or a Hadji or a Rebo or that, it's never going to be their natural instincts to get into the box like that and become the, the central yeah. striker. But when you play that front three, mm-hmm. two guys on the side, I think, have to do that. And I think, I think that's what Rangers have... Rangers have lacked, um, and I genuinely think, well, I know it's only one game, you don't want to get carried away, but certainly in that position, um, no, I think he could really kind of cement his, cement his place there, and I think he deserves that, I think he deserves a run in the team now, and it's going to be interesting to see how he does. Well, that's the thing, Andy, I know he's obviously, ultimately he will be judged on what he does on the park, and it was his performance that did give Rangers a lift, but I mean, any time you've listened to him, been interviewed, I mean, remember when he signed, and you just see that beaming smile. I mean, you know, as well as his performance lighting up, you know, the team, it must be great to have around that dressing room. You can tell that the players are happy for him, couldn't you? You could see him when he was walking off with the match ball there. And it's impossible, it's impossible not to just to love his attitude. Oh, I mean, it's brilliant. I mean, you saw, as you say, waving at the fans, lapping it up. He's got the match ball. He's sleeping with the match ball. He's got that tucked up alongside him as he's, he's going to his bed at night. I mean, it's brilliant stuff. Just what you want to see. And obviously the fans have taken to him. He's already got his own his own song now. Um, mm. You know, it's 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 just what Stephen Gerrard needs. I mean, they need a wee bit. They need a spark this season. Things have been a wee bit flat, a wee bit stale. Yeah. They need something else to come in. I think they'd obviously hoped Fashion Sakala would be the guy that would give them that. Um like we saw the goal against Real Madrid in pre-season. You you thought, well, this this could be a guy who could really sort of you know, ignite the team again and take them another level on after last year. COVID disruption, the groin injury, it's, it's sort of hampered him. Um, I'm, I'm not convinced he's a direct replacement for Alfredo Morelos. I think that was one of the, the, the questions posed to, posed to us in yesterday's paper on the jury. Mm-hmm. Um when we've seen him play up front, I don't think he does this kind of heavy lifting that likes a uh, Morelos does when he plays through the middle. Um, I'm not sure that's what his game is. He's more a guy who wants to get in behind and stretch defences. Um, mm. I think Rangers need somebody who can come short and look to hold up the play and get the team up the park. But um, I certainly think Scott's right. You know, if if they need somebody just to you know on that you know wider position be a wee bit more direct, then then certainly he's got that. In his locker, um, there were a few times where they made the same kind of runs as Morelos at times. There was times they were a bit probably too close to each other. Mm-hmm. I know they like to play with a sort of narrow front three rather than having two out and out wingers, but I think that goes back to what you're talking about with, when we spoke to Gert um, earlier this year. That, that there are some parts of his game that really do still need to be sort of brushed up on, polished up. But yeah. if he can carry on like he did at the weekend, then, then that's only going to be good news for Steven Gerrard. Well, I suppose that brings us to the next question, Scott. Will he start on Thursday away to Bromby? Do you expect Stephen Gerrard to, to give him another go? I'd be amazed if he didn't, Gav. I mean, you're, you're talking about his personality and his attitude. I mean, he must be in the ultimate high. Just now, as, as Andy said, you, know, you saw him walking off the pitch at the end. I mean, how deflating would it be for the player, apart from the else, if he's then told on Thursday after a hat-trick, you know, you're, back out the, you're back out the team. Um, I just think... 
But it is a different challenge, obviously. I mean, it's, 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 it's horses for courses, isn't it? I mean, it's a different... Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think Rangers. I think on Thursday night, at times Rangers will need to play in the counter attack. They need a bit of pace, and Sakala, yeah. no, arguably the only guy that really gives them that. We, we can't, we can't missing. Um, and I just think in general Rangers could do with a bit of. I know what you're saying, horses for courses, but I think they need a bit of continuity now and a bit of consistency and selection. I thought. I thought McGregor and Davis and even Arfield coming back on Sunday. That experience was. Was vital for them, and then you had the kind of spark of of Sakala up front, which, as you say, really ignited them. And listen, I, Stephen Gerrard's tinkered with his team a lot. It wouldn't surprise me if there's if there is one or two changes yeah. for Thursday night, but certainly I'd be tempted just to go same again. You win six one, you've a performance that you, know, you hope really kind of sparks your season. You've got a guy scoring a hat trick. I'd, I know it's a different game, different competition, but I'd be tempted just to go with the, the same 11 that started at first part. Andy, it was a big weekend because obviously Rangers had dropped the two points at home to Aberdeen on the Wednesday. Celtic could have gone top of the league on the Saturday, missed the chance, held at home to Livingston, Rangers go out and then there's a statement victory like that, 6-1, to go four clear. How big a moment... Could that be in the season, do you think? I mean, psychologically for Celtic, missing that, then seeing Rangers have them a motherable 6-1, four points even now. I know it's November, but it's significant. I think it'll be deflating for Celtic, as you say. You know, you know they've had, they had their troubles at the start of the season. They're slowly but surely get their... Their house in order a wee bit. They've been making progress, which has been uh, admirable under Ange Postecoglou, given the sort of mess he inherited in the summer. Um, so to get yourself at the point where you could, you know, nudge ahead, albeit for twenty-four hours potentially, you know, it was a position that nobody really thought Celtic would, would be capable of, of getting to this season. Um, even at this stage, just given the way things started uh, at the beginning of the season, so for them not to. You know, make the most of that opportunity, and then see the Rangers' reaction must be deflating. It's you know, I, I can't think of any other way that they would take it. Um, obviously, depending on how they react to that, can, can they shrug that off? But what Rangers must ensure that they do, if uh, if they want to win another title, is capitalising this. They cannot take another step back like they have at times this season. You know, mm-hmm. you know, Rangers last weekend, uh, the weekend before, sorry, against St. Mirren, you know fall behind, you know, show their grit, determination. Again, not a great performance, but they get the job done. You think, okay, that's, you know, that's that's uh, something commendable in itself, that if you can win when you're not at your best, but to then go and slip up at home in an Aberdeen team that was, you know, basically had a whole back four missing, mm-hmm. um, again, was sloppy from Rangers. So now that they've, they've got this result, they've, they've opened that gap back up to four points. They really need to put the foot down if, if they want to, you know, have a comfortable ride to title. Otherwise, it's going to be nip and tuck, and I don't think that's what Stephen Gerrard or MDI Brooks really fancies. Yeah. Scott, if Celtic did slip up once more before Rangers slipped up and that gap went to sort of six or seven between now and the next derby game on January the 2nd, it would put Rangers in a very strong position um, if if you, if you have the chance to go and you know and it's like oh well win and you go nine clear or win and you go eight clear, that would be huge at that stage, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would. I mean, it would, I mean, all firm games are big anyway, but I mean, there'd be huge 
huge pressure on Celtic getting into that old firm game at home if they were six, seven behind with the prospect of going nine or ten into the new year. Uh, even four, to be honest, even even if the gap was what it was now. Yeah, yeah it goes seven. Even four, and you're, you're saying, well, you go and win to go seven. I mean, if you go seven clear in January, it's that's big. Yeah, it is big. Um, I mean, listen, at the start of the season when Celtic were, were toiling, people probably expected it. No, that, that it would be that and then obviously what's happened in the last few weeks the doubts then kind of shifted onto, onto Rangers um, and as Andy said I think that's why Sunday was a big moment for Rangers not so much the title race but, but that has to be a that has to be a pivotal moment for Rangers this season I think because they need they need to go and kick on now it's almost like you know, it felt as if I thought it was a kind of shift in attitude with the Rangers players on Sunday and no, that kind of hunger was back and that kind of relentlessness. Um, and it almost felt like, right, the season starts here. No, they'd get a wee fright against Aberdeen, dropping points elsewhere. And then all of a sudden, no, Jack Amakis is hitting that penalty to put, to put Celtic top of the league. No, you'd like mm-hmm. to think that was a wee bit of a joke for Rangers. Um, and that's what kind of prompted that, that performance on Sunday. Um, so I think... It is an important point in the season, but mainly for Rangers because I think they need to go and they've had that wee fright. I think they really need to go and kick on now, as Andy says, really capitalise on you know, the advantage that they've got just now and the fact Celtic obviously still aren't up to, I don't think Celtic are at Rangers level again when Rangers are at their best. I don't think mm-hmm. Celtic are there yet, so they need to go and take advantage. I think as well, just what you're saying, relentless, that's the sort of attitude that's going to be required when you look at the fixture list as well. When they before Rangers go to Parkhead in January 2nd, they've got a trip to Easter Road, a trip to Tynecastle, and a trip to Pataudry. Um Rangers can't be going into those games, you know, with half measures. It has to be, you know, full-blooded like it was on Sunday if they're, if they're going to take maximum points from those kind of games um, and keep their noses in front. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. I, I was just wondering. I had a quick look at the fixtures earlier. I, I missed that. So it's, oh, it's Pataudry and... Uh, Celtic Park back to back. Oh, that's a huge, that's a huge week. You're right. That's uh, big. And then Hibs on the first of December, so that's a midweek. And then Hearts away on Sunday the twelfth. Uh, that's huge. I think the big thing, Andy, on Sunday was that you know the reaction to going behind. I mean, as you say, they actually started the game pretty well, but just sloppiness again, which they're going to need to cut out. You no, know, puts them behind. But the, rea- the reaction again was really good. And even before Rangers scored. He felt as if not just one goal was coming, but more would come because the amount of crosses they were getting into the box, you know, the amount of opens they were creating, the, you know, the players that they were getting forward. Um, and the other thing which I thought was was important was at half-time. It was 2-1 at half-time. I think too often you've seen this Rangers team, if they don't score early in the second half, they can take the foot off the gas a wee bit and think, right, well, we've got a 2-1, we'll sit on it and keep the ball and... Well, they've been done a few times like that this season. The uh, hearts at Ibrook springs to mind when they were you know, cruising at 1-0 and took the foot off the gas and ended up losing a late equaliser. The impressive thing on Sunday was that they went out in the second half with the same attitude, the same hunger, same desire as they did in the first. And when they got the next goal, they just wanted more and more. Um, and I think, you know, with Juicy Breeze fixtures coming up, they're going to need that kind of, they're going to need that kind of attitude if they're going to go on a run and, and really build momentum. I think yeah. Steve Gerrard will also be hoping that this sort of sparks James Tavernier 
into life as well because it's been a pretty flat season from so far. But a goal and two assists, three had it not been for Kamaruf stealing that one off of Jack Simpson at the end. You know, that's it's sort of that was tab of, of last season, and I think that will be something that Steven Gerrard will be looking for a lot more of because I mean, there have been people certainly thinking that you know Nathan Parson probably deserves. So I run in the team, no, just dodge shot here because you know Tavernier hasn't been the sort of levels certainly was at last year. But you know that was that'll be a welcome return to form for James Tavernier for the manager. You see that, Andy, and I partly agree with you. But I think even when you look at Tavernier's numbers this season, I don't think Nathan Patterson, and I really rate Nathan Patterson, think he's a brilliant prospect. Now I don't think. He would be getting anywhere close to those. Not near that, but I think I think when when there is a, sl- a, a a dip in form like Tavernier's had this season, I still think there'll be that argument and that debate, and I don't think that's helpful when you're trying to get a, a you know a steady run of form. As much as you know, as, as Scotland fans, we all would like to see Nathan Patterson get more game time. I, I don't think there's any doubt that right now. When both players are on form, James Tavernier's the superior player. But that's another phenomenal goal on Sunday. Yeah. And thinking of one away to St Johnson, yeah. I mean, very few players in this league, even attacking players, can come up with the goals. And listen, I've been critical with Tavernier in the past, um, God, loads of times. But I've almost kind of just come to the conclusion that you need to just accept those lapses in concentration at the back, which I think he's prone for. I think. He did it against Aberdeen, he loses Scott Brown for the corner, which he held his hands up to. I think on Sunday, I do think it's his fault, giving away the corner. He's got to take control of that situation. He's in a far better position than Goldson to get it back to the keeper, but doesn't he take responsibility? He's he's, he's even culpable at the corner. Once the corner comes in, he's late picking up his man. Balligan's telling him who to pick up, and Tavernier's just in his own wee world and just loses you know, loses his man for a split second and you know, Goldson again was at fault losing losing McGabby the two of them having covered themselves in glory either conceding the corner or in the actual corner itself but I, I've came to the conclusion you just almost need to accept that with Tavernier because of what he gives you at the other end you know, those lapses if we're being honest are probably why James Tavernier hasn't played in the Premier League or, or the Champions League or whatever because the attributes that he has got uh, going forward are, are phenomenal. And again, that goal, you know, similar to St. Johnson goal, an absolute unbelievable goal for a fullback. And then you know, the assist for Sakala is brilliant as well. So I just the, the, the argument with Parsons' interest, because I wanted to see him play more games as well. There was a lot of people at the start of the season that thought he's going to play more and he might even get in a heady tavern here or two of them could play in the same team. I never thought that at all. I just thought the way it's panning out, that Parson would get more games, but you know, he's got a hell of a job to try and shift Tavernier when, when, when Tavernier's coming up with the kind of numbers with assists and, and goals. Um, and as I say, you look at that goal on Sunday, you look at the goal at St. Johnson, which was crucial. I don't think Nathan, Par- Nathan Parson has got loads of things in his locker, but I don't think he's got he's get that in it yet. You touched on him earlier, Scott. Uh, you mentioned him first league start, and I wonder how much of a, an impact did he have in the performance from Tavernier? Scott Arfield, he flew under the radar a bit. He did a bit. He did. Um, I just think he's looked a wee bit. The, the couple of times he's come on, Gav, in the last few weeks, uh, 
I don't know what it is, but he's just looked a bit sharper, a bit more like his old self. Steven Gerrard, after the game on Sunday, kind of touched on a few things, you know, whether it be injury or... I think he said he had an injury that affected different parts of his body. I didn't quite understand that. I don't think we'll probably know or get to know what those issues were. Um, but there, there clearly has been issues with Arfield over the last kind of no year, 18 months. But he certainly looked... The last couple of weeks, he has looked back at, and you know, back to his kind of best. And when you get Arfield at his best, I think he's a real positive for this for this Rangers team and he's also got that experience as well and you're right no tucking in on that side and allowing Tavernier to, to bomb on uh, you know, the, the, the kind of system that Rangers play and how how crucial they, they midfielders are for the for the fullbacks but yeah. I, just, I think he's in I was expecting him to start a game you no know, eventually and obviously it happened in Sunday as you say, a bit under the radar, but I still thought he played really well. And a bit like Sakala, I would like to see Arfield getting a wee run in the team now to see what he can do. So I just think with Arfield, that the way he moves into those wee pockets and he moves a midfield about and moves, uh, uh, you know, even sort of joining into the front three as well at times, you know, it moves teams about, it, it creates gaps, creates, you know, players have to, you know, defenders, opposition defenders, midfielders have to decide with, you know, who's picking up who. and that's what Rangers are lacked at times this season. Just that wee disruptive influence has just been a bit stale. That the movement's not, the rotations haven't quite been there. And I think that's something that, that Scott Arfield gives you just that ability, just to cause a wee bit of havoc, just with his movement. I think that was that was a big a big factor in, in the Sunday's performance. Yeah, I mean he was thirty three on Monday, celebrating his birthday on Monday. Um, so I mean he's obviously in the twilight of his career. And the same has been said about Davis, and Davis was another one who played so well. And obviously, he, he, he's a bit older again. But I mean, do you think sometimes when you when you these guys get an extended rest at that age, it can be detrimental? Do you think they need to be playing, keep the legs going all the time? Or I think if you ask any player, they want to be playing all the time. And mm. listen, I was probably guilty at the start of this season saying that I felt as if Stephen Davis probably needed more of a rest and. Uh-huh. Had to be left out more because he couldn't play in every game. Right. Right. You watch him on Sunday and the influence he has on that team and the passing ability. And you, know, you see the assist for the Sakala goal. And you know, I came away for the game thinking, you know what? Davis has got to play nearly every game for me mm-hmm. because he just makes yeah. such a massive difference. And I know there will be games, with all due respect, maybe at home to. Know, lesser opposition, kind of bottom six opposition the Scottish Premiership, or even games that Rangers have maybe got one, two or three in front after an hour, and you can take them off, and, and that's when you can give them his rest. But, no, again, they've tried different people in there this season, but I just thought you see the difference Davis makes. Um, again, you bring that experience back into the team, him, Marfield, McGregor, uh, I definitely think it was key to producing that kind of, that kind of performance. Yeah, I mean, Barry Ferguson, full enough in his column for the Daily Record the day after the, the Rangers-Aberdeen game on Wednesday, um, he said that. He said McGregor and Davis need to come back into the team. To be fair, Stephen Gerrard had said it was maybe to do with kind of, you know, the, the impact that Walsh's passing might have had on the two of them, because obviously the two of them knew him, or the only ones really to knew him. Um, but no. do you agree? And, sorry, on you go, Andy? No, I was just going to say, Gav, the goalie situation this season has baffled me slightly, and I think 
has been detrimental to Rangers. The uh-huh. changing of the goalkeepers, I don't think does anybody any good, whether it be the goalies themselves, um, the back four as a unit, or, or the team in general. Now, I know Stephen Gerrard has spoken about Alan McGregor's age, and haven't, and I don't know that the kind of inside info and what injuries he's had or, or knocks or whatever, but if Alan McGregor no, wasn't able to play every game. If Rangers knew this season that Alan McGregor wasn't able to play every game, they should have done something about it in the you know, in terms of the market and try and whether to get another goalie or whether decide that John McLaughlin's your number one. I don't know, but the chopping and changing of the goalies I don't think has helped at all. Uh, and mainly because I just don't think McLaughlin is up to the to the level as, as McGregor. That's no disrespect to McLaughlin. I think he's a very good backup keeper, but I don't think they're like for like um, in terms of in terms of quality. And as I say, I think that's that's been an issue. And I just wonder now whether I spoke earlier about continuity and consistency of selection and stuff. I just wonder after that result whether you no know, Gerard might go back to just giving McGregor a kind of extended run in the team or as extended as he possibly can until maybe he does need a need a rest. Um I think Alec Neal actually said it on the on Sky at the weekend. I don't think he could quite understand why a goalkeeper would need rested or, or, or left out. I don't quite get that myself. So yeah. that that for me, there's been loads of wee things that you could probably point to this season. Yeah. factors as to why yeah. they haven't quite been at their best. And I, I definitely think that's been one of them. Yeah, sorry to go off on a tangent, but just when you mentioned Alec Neal there, I thought it was brilliant when he said that Walter Smith stood up at the, the oh, coaching course and said that um, he got the tactics for the 0-0 Barcelona drawing the Champions League from Billy Reid's Hamilton. I thought, <laughs> <laughs> did you hear him say that, yeah? That's what he said, how good was that? Yeah, Walter Smith was getting all this credit and could have claimed that he'd come up with himself or anything. He said, no, I just got it from Billy Reid. Hamilton <laughs> done the same thing again, strangers. I thought, I thought that was yeah, that's what we Alex said. Obviously, a lot's been written about mm-hmm. uh, Walter, but I mean, everybody obviously you speak to uh, mm-hmm. experienced it themselves. So I think he's Walter's best quality was probably his, his humility. Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the most glaring example of that. No, as Alec Neil said, for a guy has stature yeah. in management to have come off a nil nil with Barcelona. No, a Barcelona team that had Messi, Ronaldinho, Henri, you name them, they were all there to say to stand up in front of no coaches that are looking up to him and say, nah, I just picked it up for Hamilton Ackies against us. I mean, yeah. I know we're going totally off in one, but I mean, is them they spoke to Billy Reid about it? It'd be good just to get him on it. How must he be feeling? Or did he even know? I wonder, I wonder if he knows that Walter said at that course. I know, I've no idea. I I know we believe you know, if he's aware of it. That's an, that's an idea for a spread for this weekend, Scotty. <laughs> anyway, Andy, let's go back on to Bronby. After the first two games, the Europa League picture looked bleak. Two defeats, home to Lyon, away to Prague, away to Sparta Prague in Prague. Um, the Bronby home game was must win. I suppose these two games in the middle were always going to be crucial. Um, if Rangers can win on... Uh, Thursday night, six points. It looks so much better. It means Sparta Prague come to Ibrox, and unless Sparta Prague can pull one off against Leon, you'd be looking at two victories to get into the knockout stage. It's not a bad position now, is it? No, it's probably it certainly looks a lot brighter than it did um, 
As you say before that Brumby game, um, things I suppose weren't looking too clever either when uh, Sparta went two up on on Leo that uh, Leon that night a couple of weeks ago as well. But um, thankfully for Rangers, uh, Peter Bosch's side sort of turned it around and, and got the win in the end. Um, so if they can get the result uh, over in Copenhagen on, on Thursday, um, that'll be half the job done. I, I presume. Um, I don't think Bromby looked that great to be honest. I don't think it's the greatest seasons either uh, over in Denmark. Um, it doesn't need to be spectacular. It doesn't it certainly doesn't need to look anything like Sunday's result. But if Rangers can can get the points, then yeah. you know, that'll be a huge boost. And you know, to to make the knockout rounds of the Europa League for three seasons running would be a fine achievement, especially this year when you know recruitment. You know, Stephen Jarrett, right? I mean, as much as he's added to his squad over the summer, he's certainly not spending the kind of levels of finance that some of the teams he's facing. Are. I've got to work with so mm-hmm. um to, to make it to that that you know that knockout stage when you're not playing your best when you've not been able to add the level of player the kind of mm-hmm. do the kind of recruitment that you would be hoping to do then i think that that speaks volumes for the sort of job that stephen jard's doing as, as a rangers manager yeah i think, I think he's Jav, is that rangers need to go there to win the game no mm-hmm. there's a there's always a temptation you go away from home in europe that point a good result and often that is the case but I agree with you and I don't think Bromby I thought Bromby showed nothing at Ibrooks to, to be worried about I don't think Rangers should be no, have any, anything to fear going over there at all and you're right if they can if they can just get another three points on the board well, it makes that Sparta Prague game like a cup final you know, at Ibrooks basically yeah. which is the, the position you would want to be in you know, a full house it's going to be a bit of needle in that game as well because of what's going on before. Mm-hmm. It's the ideal scenario, I think, for, for Rangers. And I think they'll really regret coming back for Denmark. No, even with a point, let's see how the game goes, obviously. But I think Bromby are there for the taking. And coming off the back of Rangers' performance on Sunday, you know, on a real high, you know, finding that kind of attacking threat, that kind of ruthlessness again. I just I'd like to see them go to Denmark with a real positive attitude and just go for the, the three points rather than you know, rather than sitting in and, and waiting and, and, and kind of weighing the game up and deciding whether whether a point would be a good result. And I think they need to go and try and get the all three. Yeah. And another story involving Rangers is on the back page of the Daily Record today is this uh, old firm ticket situation for January the second. Um Rangers obviously Celtic didn't have an an allocation for Ibrooks for the first Derby meeting back in August. Now, crucially, um, crucially in in terms of Rangers possibly challenging this um, situation with Celtic not giving them tickets, the crucial factor here is this red zone, the mandatory red zone which was scrapped last month. There's an SPFL rule about having to give a, a reasonable amount of tickets to the visiting club. Hearts and Motherwell were unhappy not getting tickets for Ibrooks and Parkhead for a period and had gone to the SPFL about this. The SPFL said, well, clubs need to operate this red zone. So it was almost like a get out. But with this red zone now being scrapped, do you think Rangers could, or do you think they will challenge the decision by Celtic to lock out the Rangers fans for that game? Wouldn't surprise me if they did. I mean, we've seen from this Rangers board they don't mind picking fights. So <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if they did it just for the sake of it. Um, just, just, 
just just see how it goes. Just, just <laughs> lose, have they? You know, no, they have I just think um, the concern will be that if this sort of becomes the norm, and we've already seen the norm is mm-hmm. now having 700 fans instead of 7,000 away fans yeah. in these, these games. And if we now allow it to become the norm that there's no fans at all, then the fixture just loses a huge amount. You know, yeah. The whole thing that gives it its spark, its feistiness, what makes it world-renowned is that back and forth between the fans. Yeah, and we all know yeah. it's... It's not always pleasant, but mm-hmm. it's definitely dramatic. And yeah, and if we lose that, and if it, you know, because things are getting, you know, especially in today's climate, as we say, you know, this Rangers board aren't, aren't afraid of like, picking fights. And yeah. the, the danger with that is that things do become entrenched at, at times. And yeah, and if we get to that stage where the clubs just aren't willing to work with each other, then that's only to the detriment of, of Scottish football and to, and to this fixture in particular. And yeah. I, I really, I hope camera heads prevail and that we can, you know, I, I think ideally um, you'd like to get back to the, the way it was before where both both teams were given reasonable, sizable yeah. away support so you could have that, that crackle, the atmosphere. I mean, certainly the games I've been to where it's been, um, the seven, eight hundred fans uh, tucked away in the corner somewhere. I mean, at times you can barely hear their way support, um, given the noise from the, the, the home crowd. So I, I, I just hope that you know some, some calmer heads prevail and we can get to the situation where where both teams get a reasonable sort of section of fans. But to us, I wouldn't hold my breath. Yeah, to be fair, after this January game, you would hope that that would be the case because then it's balanced out. Well, Celtic can say, well, you didn't give us tickets for the first one. And we're going to then not give you tickets for the second one. Once they've had one each with no away fans, you would hope that after that... You would hope. You would think so, but... No, probably not. No, I, wouldn't, <laughs> I would hope not. But it is this... In terms of this fixture in particular, it is this red zone situation that causes the grey area. That was what the SPFL, they hid behind the kind of red zone when Motherwell and Hearts complained, they said, well, look, if clubs are having to have this red zone, then they can't accommodate you. Mm-hmm. It was almost like a get-out. The thing is, Celtic don't have that get-out, so Rangers, I suppose, feasibly could point to the fact, no, there's no red zone in operation. I mean, that is the game. For everything we heard back, back in September, it was that Rangers were, you know, had the tickets printed up, they were ready to get it. Was, it was Celtic's failure to give the assurances that they would be a reciprocal arrangement come January that caused Rangers to, to withdraw uh, their offer of a, an away allocation. So, yeah, I mean, I said it all gets boils down to the he said, she said stuff. And, yes. you know, yeah, we, right, just, we just need a bit of maturity in this subject. But, you know, obviously, with all firm, that, that's not always something that, that sort of shines through. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Andy. And it's worth pointing that out that it has been reported that Rangers had even sent the tickets to Celtic. Park for you know to Celtic for that one, but then when they couldn't get the reciprocal agreement, you know thought well we, we know well, we're going to just U turn on this. Um, it does beg the question how Rangers were able to accommodate Celtic fans for that game when there was no other away fans, uh, you know allowed around about that period. That's the thing I can't understand. But what are the, what are the guidelines, Gav? Then what are the FL guidelines just now? No restrictions. SPFL rule I-27, I've got it in front of me, says the home club the home club must make provision for the admission of such reasonable number of visiting supporters 
at every home league match and playoff match as may be agreed in advance with the visiting club. So that was the rule, and this was the rule that Hearts and Motherwell took to the SPFL when they weren't getting away tickets to say, here it is, it's in the rules. Yeah, but there was they formally complained, but I think in that situation, the SPFL said, well, you know, it's it's a bit, it's mud, the waters are muddied here because, you know, clubs have got red zones, we're not living in normal times. However, the mandatory red zone was scrapped yeah. on October the 5th. So that's why feasibly Rangers could go to the SPFL again if they don't get tickets on January the 2nd and say, well, what about this rule? Yeah. Because now there's no red zone. So, well, yeah, they've they definitely got grounds for, for appealing if there's yeah, yeah. no, no tickets made available. Absolutely. But what, what Celtic will say is you were going to give us tickets in August and you didn't. You know, you were going to accommodate us and you didn't. Because um, Rangers were going to accommodate them despite this red zone. And yeah. Somehow they were going to... What, what, what Rangers would have been better doing back then was just saying we can't give you tickets because we're operating a red zone. We don't have any away fans in the ground, therefore, yeah. we're sorry. And then just hoped, as is the case now, that by the time the second game came around, there was no red zone, which is the fact that we're willing to give Celtic tickets probably weakens Rangers' argument. Yeah. But as you say, if they go, that's not the SPFL's issue. You know, if they go to the SPFL and challenge it, they put the ball in the SPFL's court, it's then up to them to sort it. I, I totally agree with everything that. That Andy said, I can't really add anything to that. A complete agreement in terms of atmosphere, and you know, the two clubs should be should be working together to make this fixture the best it can possibly be. But I, I do fear that ultimately, even after this game, it probably will be the case that it's a very small number of away fans, like we've seen yeah. recently. Yeah, we're looking at seven hundred, nine hundred, whatever it is, and I think they'll see that as some kind of compromise. But really. In terms of the atmosphere and the fixture and you no know, the, the kind of game that I grew up watching and you no know, it's it takes so much away from that, I think. It'd be a real shame if that becomes the norm that it is just that we call yeah. fans that you can't hear at Ibrooks and the same at Parkhead with the with the Rangers fans you no know, stuck up high and nobody can nobody can hear them. I, I just think it takes so much away from the fixture at a time we're trying to we're trying to sell the game and promote the game. It's, I think that would be a big, a big mistake. It's funny when you listen, when I speak to fans, or even when you read comments on social media and all that, there does seem to be a split over this subject. You get probably the diehards that went to every away game and then started to miss out are gutted that they don't get, you know, when it used to be 8,000 or 7,000, whatever it is, they seem to be gutted. Then there's, then there's another camp that say, well, no, because... You know, it means for every extra away ticket you give to Celtic, that's one less That's one less home fan, you know, that's going to be there. So you can see both sides, but I think, to be honest, I agree with both of you. I think the fiction has lost something when it's been the just the visiting fans. Definitely. Anyway, OK, I think we've uh, gone on long enough now. So thanks very much for joining us. We'll see how it goes in uh, Denmark on Thursday and then Ross County on Sunday and then we can be back next week uh, during the international break to talk it all over. Thank you.